Lead from the Side is made in partnership with Performance Leadership, a co-venture of Western Bulldogs and Victoria University. Hi, I'm Spencer Casimir, and this is Lead from the Side. Today's guest is John Dutton, the Chief Executive at British Cycling. In his extensive career, he has also been the Director of Cycling World Championships 2023, Major Events Panel Member for UK Sport, Chief Executive of Rugby League World Cup 2021, Tournament Commissioner of Rugby League World Cup 2017, and the Chief Operating Officer of Rugby League World Cup 2013. John was also awarded an OBE for his services to Rugby League in King's Birthday Honours list in June 2023. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's a long time since we saw each other in person, I think in Melbourne during the, uh, the was it the last World Cup? It was probably at least two years ago. It was most certainly for the last Rugby League World Cup, which was 2022 instead of 2021. We had a pretty good showing. I love Victoria. I love Melbourne. So uh, yeah, great to uh, be out in Australia. I'm currently in Glasgow uh, at the moment for the Cycling World Championships. What does that mean in your current role? What do you do up there? We're making history. This is the first time that the Cycling World Championships uh, have all been brought together. It is mountain bike, it is track, it is BMX, trials, all the different disciplines being brought together. So uh, over 11 days uh, across Scotland, uh, 13 World Championships, uh, 208 different World Champions crowned. Um, And it's really special from an integration perspective, uh, particularly in the track event where we've seen pure integration of para and non-para athletes on the same platform. And uh, that was very much what we achieved at the Rugby World Cup with men, women uh, and wheelchair athletes. So I'm really fascinated from a sporting perspective how we can use events as a convening power, how we can bring people together, uh, but also how we can uh, celebrate and champion inclusivity. One of the big things for my children during the last Rugby League World Cup was what are we going to watch tonight? The men's, the women's or the wheelchair? you would be absolutely delighted to know how frequently wheelchair was put at the front of the line. We had so much anecdotal feedback, Spencer, in the UK. Uh, we were on the BBC. We had huge audiences, some of the men's games reaching 3 million viewers. I've met so many people since the World Cup who said, my first ever experience of rugby league was wheelchair rugby league watching on the BBC. And I think that just puts in perspective the opportunity that sport has when it's fast, it's exciting, um, when it's a real broadcast product that for me is the way forward integration inclusivity uh, celebrating amazing uh, human stories we have people who live their lives in wheelchairs and people who don't that compete together side by side and against one another but how did that result come about what was that genesis the sport of wheelchair rugby league was born in france probably about 20 years ago predicated on inclusivity so men women disabled and non-disabled athletes and the sport has evolved we had the opportunity last year in 2022 to elevate it to put it on a big platform uh, and, and it finished with an epic final between England and France in an absolutely sold out uh, venue in Manchester. So that participation through inspiration, many people will tell stories in years to come of, I love playing the sport because I was inspired by what happened at that World Cup. And people who spend their lives in wheelchairs do have friends that aren't. What would be so wrong about sport that we can all play together? 100%. 
with the Rugby League World Cup, uh, we had an amazing ambassador in James Simpson who overcame adversity. He was in the armed forces. Uh, he triggered an IED in Afghanistan, uh, lost both his legs, and says still to this day that Wiltshire Rugby League saved his life. But we also have stories whereby brother and sister, families, disabled and non-disabled, I don't think in any other sport really competitively could play together. And Wiltshire um, Rugby League has offered that opportunity. So it's, de- it's definitely to be celebrated. Uh, I'm a huge advocate of tackling inequalities through providing opportunities and just go back to taking down those barriers. If we can take down any barriers, um, people will find their enjoyment, life experiences, uh, self-efficacy and a whole lot more. It's a really fantastic idea that's bringing such visibility, making the wheelchair space part of the conversation. But I want to know something. What was your origin? I have a large background in disability sports. I go back to an event that we led in 2010, which was the World Blind Football Championships. And that was a qualifier for the 2012 London Paralympics. And we sat down with the England team in, I think it probably was about 2008. And we asked them, what did they hope for from the championships? And the the team captain, Dave Clark, who's now the chief exec of uh, the British Paralympic Committee, stood up and said, never feel sorry for us. We want you to treat us as you would treat anyone else. And that, to me, was a really seminal moment. And we went on to deliver a hugely successful event uh, that showcased the talent of uh, blind footballers. And then from that, different experiences that show if you can give people an opportunity that sport can change lives. I think you can maybe even go one step further and say it can save lives. And I think that's just so powerful in the complex, quite difficult, challenging world which we live in to see people achieve the dreams. And for some of them, it is simply competing. For others, it is standing on the gold medal podium, listening to their national anthem. I won't be that athlete. I won't be standing on the podium. But if I've got an opportunity to influence that, that's the world in which I would like to live in. So on that note, this is a show about leadership. So you're up in Glasgow. What does that mean in terms of your leadership in British cycling outside of this event? I think leaders now, Spencer, need different, more modern, contemporary skills. I think that role modelling has an enormous part to play in leadership. Uh, I think building a culture of trust, of loyalty. I use the uh, analogy TLC, trust, loyalty and communication. Uh, That's my soft contract with my senior leadership team. But I think using moments like uh, Second World Championships, Rugby League World Cup, you know, all the amazing things that happen in Australia, we're obviously seeing the FIFA Women's World Cup, using those flagship moments to create conversations about how we can continue to improve uh, in society, how we can continue to improve from a leadership perspective and how we can continue to support people that have talent, whether it's on the field of play or off the field of play, that they want to go on and further themselves from a career perspective. So I'm 28 years into my career, uh, been a CEO in my second role for a number of years. I've lost count of the years, uh, but I've seen in that time, pre, during and post the pandemic, a significant change in the workforce. And what that means is perhaps we don't need to change the workforce. We just need to change the skills that we need uh, as modern contemporary leaders. Now, I don't understand the process. Is being more inclusive, does that mean that there's then an X mark on growing a sport specifically a Paralympic sport where there's a requirement for everybody to be varying levels of disability. Um, I think from uh, an Olympic perspective, Paralympic perspective, it's really interesting, isn't it? Yesterday I was at the BMX Freestyle Park, BMX Freestyle, an Olympic sport with a different, more diverse, uh, younger audience, which I think is to be celebrated. Sport climbing, skateboarding, BMX freestyle, surfing, 
certainly when I was growing up, I would never, ever have envisaged being part of an Olympic Games, which, which to me has always been traditional team sport, athletics, etc. So, so I think that's a recognition that the world has evolved and that we need to reach a younger audience in a less traditional way. And I think then from a para perspective, that then prompts a conversation about the right events to create, the right opportunities for the diversity uh, of athletes. So I certainly don't have all the answers. I'm not sure I've got many of the answers, but I just think it's a fascinating time to create more opportunities. If you're looking to level up your ability to lead and inspire others, then Performance Leadership is the course for you. Performance Leadership is a unique and exciting professional development course delivered in partnership with Western Bulldogs and Victoria University. The two-day course focuses on practical learning with a range of facilitated activities. Learning is complemented by high-performance sport insights from a range of Western Bulldogs guest speakers and senior industry leaders. Join like-minded professionals at Performance Leadership in Melbourne this October. To find out more, visit education.westernbulldogs.com.au. Yeah, I was having flashbacks of my childhood and watching the X Games. The X was for extreme, the extreme games, because there was no forum. Try and describe what I witnessed yesterday. Yellow, large freestyle ramps with really talented athletes with no fear whatsoever. Exciting, huge crowds. Sport, perhaps as we haven't been used to it, but it's to be celebrated. And if that celebrates skill, talent, determination, that's the same as any other legitimate sport. They're viewed as normal sports. And from a cycling perspective, I mean, we have 13 different world championships in 2023. Recently announced for the next uh, combined world championships in 2027, there's another six disciplines to be added, um, including uh, snow cycle. That I did not know about, and I'm actually very excited to see it again. Yeah, it's quite, uh, well, exhilarating, quite frightening. Um, looking forward to seeing that in four years' time, along with cycle ball. People want to consume sport, media, entertainment in different ways, and, and what we are doing is creating those opportunities. And as we consume media in more short-form content, some of these things, you know, the freestyle uh, yesterday um, was a handful of minutes that, that was incredible then by creating these opportunities we've got short form content and we've got traditional sport that i think is in a really quite healthy place and everything in between and that gives us all uh, different opportunities to consume and enjoy so we're going to shift gears and we're going to look at your leadership directly now how do you think your style has changed from when you first started to feel like you were a leader from then until now I think overcoming lots of uh, challenge and adversity. I, I mean, the first point is I've got a, a wonderful title, which I'm very proud of. We can all be leaders. You know, I say that to people within my team, people I've worked with previously, people that I mentor, and it's about showing up uh, with a sense of determination, learning every day. You know, I still, 28 years into my career, have an unquenchable desire to learn and be a better leader and be a better person. Uh, but I think the resilience point, the last few years for all of us across the world in our lives have been really tough. My favourite uh, quote line that I say almost every day, Spencer, is without challenge, there is no achievement. And I'm a true believer in that. The role I'm in at the moment has an enormous amount of challenge and it's what attracted me. And I think to quote um, Jim Collins, um, the duality principle of having being an eternal optimist and waking up every day, being positive and optimistic, balanced by the brutal reality of the world in which we live. And I think if you can get the right balance between optimism and grounded in life is quite tough, uh, then you'll get to the right place. 
So the idea is we do need a hurdle. We do need something to challenge us to make that achievement, to have that opportunity. And I think the world in which we live in the complex environment, we have to be a little bolder and a little braver. If we did a risk matrix every day before we got out of bed, we would never, ever get out of bed. And also, Spencer, I'm a huge advocate of a sense of enjoyment and fulfillment and fun. Gosh, we're working some pretty long hours of 15, 16 hour days at the moment here in Glasgow. Um, it is an absolute privilege. So through all of the tough times, through all of the adversity, uh, and certainly during the Rugby League World Cup, I mean, postponing a tournament two months out, uh, having worked on it uh, for six years to get us to that point was incredibly hard but we could have done two things at that point Spencer we could have felt sorry for ourselves or we could have dusted ourselves down and found a way to go again and and we did the latter and I think that's an example in my career where overcoming the challenge has certainly created that uh, sense of achievement. So for those that aren't familiar John was the head of Rugby League World Cup the year that everything was still locked down. What were the feelings of people who were working under you at that point? And what did you do to lead them through that time? The hardest thing for me, we said to our team, we would be good communicators and we took them on the journey. And because of the uncertainty, for the first time in my career, I was asked a question uh, about a week before we made the big decision to postpone, what's going to happen? And it was the first time I think ever in my career where I said, I have no idea. So that sense of uncertainty fueled anxiety. We had to acknowledge that we couldn't control the public health environment. We couldn't control the decisions that other people made. So we tried to focus on the things that we could control. But that was incredibly tough. And to have spent an enormous amount of public funding, to have worked for six years to get two months away from delivery was really hard. We talk a lot about what we do in leadership, but feelings get ignored a lot. What did it feel like having to come out and say, we're not sure because things are that crazy in the world? I talk from a leadership perspective about three Ps, which was putting things into perspective. We weren't saving lives. We were trying to stage a global sports tournament about pragmatism. And I don't believe in the word perfect. I think if you aim for perfection, you will catch excellence. But being pragmatic and prioritizing. So um, we had three options. We could either one, cancel We were in a position where we could have destroyed the hopes and dreams of athletes that didn't have a voice and a seat at the table. And and that would have been, in my opinion, absolutely catastrophic. We could have carried on and carried on would have been the same because we'd have excluded a lot, lot of athletes that wouldn't have the ability to participate or we could postpone, reset and go again. And, and, and of course, we made that decision. Huge, huge disappointment, but a real low point in my career, uh, Spencer, where I felt really sorry for myself. Um, So I had to front up to the media, explain the decision. Uh, There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of vitriol. So you've got to come through that anger, emotion, tiredness. We were working uh, extraordinary hours uh, to find a sense of calmness and to reset. I considered leaving, walking away, really difficult, uh, but we overcame it. And we just published an evaluation report that talks about providing incredible life experiences for athletes, which we did. uh, But my focus more was on what happened off the field by using a social value, social impact, social mobility program to inspire the lives of many. And um, we've had that now empirically measured in a qualitative way. Um, And that's something that whatever I do in my career, Spencer, I will always be incredibly proud of. It's not often we get an opportunity to learn from that sort of scenario. Usually we get to talk about a difficult employee, a difficult superior, to have the entire blackboard just wiped out 
in one go. I think it was Winston Churchill said, never waste a good crisis or was that effect. And that's where we found ourselves in the eye of the storm from a media perspective. But I think the one thing I took away, authenticity, being yourself, being true to the values of the organisation, being true to your personal values. Um, I don't think you can go far wrong with that, um, Spencer, because I, I think if you're not authentic, people see through it. Good, clear communication and doing the right thing, making a stand and doing the right thing. You've naturally touched on so many of the questions that I usually ask. For example, tell us a story about overcoming tough times or hurdles. And we've done that. But what I would be curious to know is if you had some good leadership advice that you wish you had known sooner, what would it be? I think actively listening. And I do think there is a difference between you know, listening, being part of a conversation, uh, being in a meeting um, and listening, but actively listening and the ability then to take actions from that. And I definitely think that is a real skill. I think communication as well, Spencer, in the world in which we live, authentic, clear. I, I do lots of media in my role. Uh, I do lots of public speaking, uh, ne- never really with a sense of um, nervousness, um, always trying to focus on delivering a clear message uh, and sometimes better than um, others. Um, And in situations, instead of jumping in and offering your view, actively listen to uh, the other side. I do a lot of uh, what I would call mediation and a lot of listening to sometimes people who are quite angry. And I think in those situations, it's just good to go in with a clear mind, just listen and understand people's different perspectives. Which brings me to the final point. What do you feel and what have you experienced that's difference between your leadership roles and the culture of rugby league as opposed to British cycling? That's a good question to end on. I would regard my key skill as being a complex problem solver. I thrive on challenge. Rugby league is a sport that was born out of adversity and has become such an incredible force. Cycling is slightly different. The advantage, I guess, of cycling over rugby league is that there is a a whole of population reach. So whether that's from an active travel, uh, getting on our bikes and uh, going to work on short journeys, whether that's participation, recreation and leisure, whether that's the sport or whether that's the absolute talent pathway and elite, rugby league reaches so many people. And whilst it will engage with a lot of the population, not everyone wants to get out and play rugby league from a physicality perspective. So from a culture perspective overall, uh, top level, I think there's many similarities. Uh, I think the two wonderful, wonderful sports that have the capability to deliver more, uh, that have the capability to uh, change lives, uh, to create incredible experiences that need continued investment which is always, from a commercial perspective, a challenge that have to have a good positive relationship with government uh, as the government policy uh, and the world policy changes. You know, there are some things on the table that perhaps five years ago before the pandemic weren't quite as important as they are now. So equality, diversity, inclusivity, uh, sustainability and and a commitment. We've just gone through uh, a quite difficult, uh, emotive, divisive uh, topic of transgender and non-binary rights for for cyclists. So the world continues to be difficult, different, uh, complex, uh, but I'm such a, I'm so proud of my role in rugby league uh, and uh, what a privilege uh, and now really enjoying uh, cycling while still being a rugby league fan. And, And just for me, it just once again is a reminder about how special sport is in all of our lives.
I'm not on the podium. I'm not going to win a medal. I'm not going to lift a trophy, but I, I'm part of that experience. And, and there are millions of people experiencing that every day across the world. And that's why sport is uh, is a huge force for the good. And feeling you know somewhat emotional about the Cycling World Championships because just being part of something that's special that you know through all the hard work, through all the challenge, through having to find you know the money to stage the event, uh, through all the complexity of you know, things like closing roads and and disturbing residents and businesses and and all of those things that you have to do but when you know you are genuinely making a difference uh that really does uh, inspire you to continue doing what you do learning trying to be better and acknowledging we're all vulnerable human beings spencer we make mistakes and that's just life isn't it just have to get on learn from it and uh, and get on with it on that note you can follow john and the organizations he's currently involved with at john underscore dutton 72 and at british cycling on twitter and other social media John, thank you for being on the show. It is such a pleasure. We'll have to have you back, whether it's digitally, physically, or otherwise. Uh, maybe I'll have to travel too. I am missing my uh, my friends in Australia, so uh, thank you very much for the uh, for the opportunity. It's been a really great conversation. Thanks for listening today, and thanks to our sponsors. More information about the show and our guests can be found in the show notes. You can follow the show on Twitter or LinkedIn at Lead from the Side, or myself on Twitter or LinkedIn at Balls Out PhD. If you want to contribute to the show, send us an email at leadfromtheside at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next time, and remember to lead from the side. <laughs>